Well, thanks, Meredith. It's wonderful to see you all here today. If you don't know me, my name's Mal York. I'm the senior minister here, and it's a real privilege to bring God's word to you uh, this morning. I was given uh, a book by my father-in-law for my birthday uh, a few years ago. It's the story of the Australian comedian, Anne Doe. And he speaks about how he left Vietnam as a boat person and how he made his way to Australia, avoiding death on many occasions. He then grew up uh, and became an Australian citizen, and he realised the wonderful opportunities that being an Australian citizen gives to those who live here. He said he promised he would never take it for granted. For me, my story as an Australian is so different from Anne Doe's. I've been an Australian citizen all my life. I've grown up and enjoyed the benefits of living in Australia. And I think because of this, I sometimes take those benefits for granted. I wonder if sometimes for us as Christians, we feel the same way. As Christians, we've become a new people in Christ. uh, We're members of the heavenly realms. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We know the will of God to bring all things under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been marked by Jesus with his Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And often when people are new Christians, they're on fire for God. They rejoice and they they can't stop speaking about this great love that they have for Jesus and the hope that they have. But for some of us who have been Christians for a while, we don't speak as much like this. We don't get as excited about the love of Jesus. And we don't speak about the hope that we have. I wonder if for many of us, we simply take being a Christian for granted. Well, the passage today reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. It helps us to see who we are in Christ Jesus. And it's my hope that as we're reminded of this, we will leave here, no matter whether we've been a Christian for a day or two or all our lives, overflowing with the hope and love that comes from knowing Jesus. But this won't happen unless God's Spirit works within us. So let me pray that he will. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that your word teaches us more about Jesus and how to live for him. Help us to listen now. Send us your spirit so we can understand. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the first uh, thing that Paul reminds us of is what Jesus has done to make us Christian. I see there in verses 1 to 10. In verse 1 to 3, we see how we used to live. Look what it says. It says in verse 1, we used to be dead in our sins. By this he means spiritually dead. When it came to our relationship with God, we were considered to be spiritually dead to him. We were living with no acknowledgement of his existence or no acknowledgement of his kingship. We see in verse 2, Paul says this is the way that we used to live. We used to follow the ways of the world, gratifying our sinful natures, following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You see, when you do not follow God, you follow the devil. He's the one that Paul calls the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You're not free to do what you want, as most people think. When you do not follow God, you follow the devil. And this is the way that people live, gratifying the cravings of their sinful nature and following its desires. This is the message of the world today, isn't it? Give yourself over to lust. Give yourself over to desire. Don't hold back. Don't let anyone stop you. In fact, do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. 
But those who live this way, God says, are dead to him. In fact, they are objects of his wrath. Have you ever been driving down the road and seen some roadkill on the side of the road? I was once driving in Canada uh, where I saw this coyote standing on the side of the road. It looked like it was walking along and it's suddenly just frozen in mid-walk because it was so cold. It gets down to, you know, the coldest I was in was minus 53 degrees, so it's pretty cold. And I thought maybe that's too much for a coyote too. But actually what happens is Canadians have a bit of fun with their roadkill. When a truck or something hits something like a coyote and it dies and it freezes overnight in position, for a bit of fun, they come and pick it up and stand it up and put it on the side of the road. So, you know, that's what they do with their roadkill. Um, We're pretty used to roadkill here in Australia, aren't we? Uh, And I think we would all agree that a good definition of dead is roadkill. It's not like the movie The Princess Bride, where you're given levels of being dead. Roadkill is not coming back. And I think roadkill is a helpful way of describing what we were like spiritually in our relationship with God. Because roadkill can't do anything to help itself. You haven't ever got out of the car when you've been driving past like a dead wombat and said, come on, old chap, it's not as bad as you think, get up, off you go. It just doesn't work like that, does it? This is what dead means. And Paul says, this is what we were like, living life according to the ways of the world. And we were lost. We were without hope. We were spiritually dead. Friends, it's so important that we remember what it was like for those and what it is like for those who do not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we were like. But Paul goes on with a big but In verse 4, can you see it? There's three big buts in the passage that we're looking at today. Uh, He says in verses 4 to 7, "But, But in contrast with what you are like, God who is rich in mercy, God who is oozing mercy out of every aspect of his character, has made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our sin." God, who is rich in mercy, has made us, when we were spiritually road-killed, he has made us alive in Christ. You see, God is the God of making dead people alive again. In Genesis 1, he breathed life into humankind. In Ezekiel 37, he was able to make the valley of dry bones put on flesh and come to life. In John 11, He made Lazarus come to life. God is the God that we worship who is able to make dead things alive. Those who are spiritually dead, those who are like roadkill, come alive. He is the God who is able to turn people who are dead into living. That's a pretty good God to be following, isn't it? But more than this, God, uh, the passage goes on to say, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Notice the language that is being used here. We are raised with Christ and we are in Christ. He's, he's building on the language from chapter 1 that we saw before. You see, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become spiritually united with him. And this is how we become spiritually alive because he has been raised from the dead and we get raised with him. And as Jesus is raised from the dead and goes up to the heavenly realms, this becomes a reality for us spiritually. 
because we're united with him. Friends, we've been moved from being objects of God's wrath, from following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, from being spiritually dead to raised into the heavenly realms with the one who rules over the whole universe. And God has done this to show all who will hear just how great he is and the incomparable riches of his grace. Friends, how true is this? Is not God just an amazing God that he can make us who were spiritual roadkill come alive? But not only come alive, but seat us in the heavenly realms with him. Paul concludes this section by reminding us what God's grace is. See there in verses 8 to 10. You see, God's grace is the mercy shown to those who do not deserve it. When it comes to our salvation, there's nothing that we can do in order to earn it. This is where, uh, this is where we differ from so many other forms of Christianity around us. Some churches have a works-based theology where they attribute some of salvation to the work that you do yourself. Some churches have a churchmanship theology where they attribute some of the salvation to the, to the type of church you go to. Some have an experimental, uh, experiential theology uh, where they attribute some of the salvation to the type of experience you have. But this passage is clear that it is by faith alone that we are saved. And this is not by works so that no one can boast, so that no one can say that we're better than the person sitting next to us, albeit 1.5 metres apart. Uh, we're, we're, we can't say we're better than another Christian, can we? You see, because if we could play a role in our salvation, then there would be cause for boasting. We could, we could be cl claim to be better than the person sitting next to us. We could God say, look, God needed to give you a bit more grace than he gave to me because I was able to work a bit more for my salvation. But, but it wouldn't bring glory to God, would it? It, it would be a shared salvation. That, and depending on how much effort we thought we put in, and let's face it, we like to think more of ourselves, and it's probably true, maybe there'd be grounds for saying, you know what, we may actually play more of a role in our salvation than even God does. Could you imagine saying that? But that is far from what this passage is saying. Now, according to Ephesians 2, and look again at verse 9, this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God. God does all the saving here so that no one can boast, so that no one can say it is by our work that we are saved, but it is solely through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice how he concludes the section by saying that as a result of God's grace, it will lead us to doing good works. Good works don't come in order that we are saved, but for someone who has been saved, good works is part of the Christian life. Serving our brothers and sisters here at St. Andrews should be the norm for us. When it comes to church each week, we should come to the mindset of how are we going to serve, how are we going to love each other, rather than what can I get out of church today. Friends, we've been saved by an amazing God. We've been taken out of the kingdom of air and placed into God's eternal kingdom by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, we should never, ever take this for granted. Paul continues to remind us of what happened to us when we became Christians. He says that before trusting in Jesus, we were excluded from God's people. But through faith in Jesus, we're now included. He starts out by showing how those who were not part of the nation of Israel were outside the promises of God. 
Paul, uh, can you see there in verses 11 to 12, Paul starts speaking specifically to those who were not Jewish at this stage, and unless I'm mistaken, that's most of us here in the room. Uh, He says, formerly, those who were not part of the Jewish people, that is the Gentiles, were excluded from God's promises. They were not part of the Jewish people, and so therefore the promises of God did not apply to them. Uh, But if a person wanted to become part of God's people, then they needed to go through this Jewish transformation. They needed to start to follow the Jewish religion, follow the Jewish law. Uh, For the males, that meant circumcision and many more customs and rituals. There was a real divide between Jewish people and the rest of the nations. You were either part of the covenant or you weren't. There's a great uh, Netflix series called Unorthodox. Has anyone seen Unorthodox? Okay, just a couple in the room. Uh, And it looks at this Jewish community trying to live according to the Jewish customs today. Heather and I watched it, and uh, as we did, I had this great understanding of how different it is to live in a community like the Jewish community to the way that we live. It really was like they were living on another planet, even though they were in New York. And this is Paul's point. God's people, those outside of God's people, were miles and miles away when it came to salvation. But then we read the, in verse 13 the second big but of the passage. Can you see it there? But in Jesus, you have been brought from far away to being near, to being close. Friends, what Paul is saying here is that we were without hope. We were living far away from God. In terms of how far, it's like we were living in Whoop Whoop compared to Roseville. Have you ever been to Whoop Whoop? Whoop Whoop is miles away. It's always how Australians describe as being as far away as you can possibly be. Uh, It's beyond Whoop Whoop, people might say. Well, it's like we've been living in Whoop Whoop, but through the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross, we have now been brought near to God. We've come into his presence. We've been brought from whoop whoop to God and there is no longer any division between us and him. Rather, there is peace. There is peace with God and ourselves. But there is also peace with one another. No longer do we need to become Jewish in order to be saved. Rather, Jesus is creating one new humanity Jesus is dropping that wall of hostility between the cultures and the nationalities. And he's creating himself a new people, a new group that is fully reconciled to God. And it's not based on the way that we live. It's not based on who we are, but it's based on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. So rather than being one nation reconciled with God, we're now one people group from every tribe and every nation who has been saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, all of us have access to the Father. I mean, that is just incredible. If we turn back to a book in the Bible like Isaiah 6, we would see that the Isaiah prophet came into the throne room of God and there were cherubims flying everywhere, peals of thunder, and Isaiah was completely aware of his sin. He fell to the floor and said, Woe to me, I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to have this access because of his sin. And if we went up to heaven, we would be exactly the same, except that through Jesus, now we have access to God. God has brought us from from far away and given us access to him to call him Father. 
This is the wonderful God that we serve. But Paul finally concludes this section by reminding us of what happened when we became Christians. Paul shows us that before trusting in Jesus, we were aliens and foreigners. But now through faith in Jesus, we've been made members of his household. Can you see there at verses 19 to 22? Friends, we can belong to God. This is the third big but of the passage found in verse 19. We were no longer considered aliens and strangers, but fellow citizens and members of God's household. You can spot a tourist. Well, you could have before COVID. You could spot a tourist miles away in Sydney, couldn't you? Uh, I love living here in Sydney. I love that I can walk through Sydney. I can see the Harbour Bridge. I can see the Opera House. And I see tourists around amazed. Oh, how good is the Opera House? How good is it to see the Harbour Bridge? And I think to myself and have a bit of a chuckle. Ha, ha, ha. I live here. I can see this whenever I want. You can't. That's the difference, isn't it, between someone who is a local, someone who is a member, someone who's a citizen, and someone who's an alien and stranger. But we're no longer like aliens and strangers when it comes to knowing God. Rather, we are God's people. We are members of his household. And we have an inheritance waiting for us that 1 Peter 1 says will never spoil, fade, or perish. We have the foundations of the Bible. We have the the prophets and the apostles. They, They all belong to us now. And we have Jesus Christ himself. And we have become a place where God himself will dwell by his spirit. What? What an amazing transformation it is for those who believe. From being dead, from being roadkill on the side of the road, going nowhere fast, to becoming alive with God our Father, having access to him, becoming members of his household, where we get to call him Father. We get to call him Dad. Often my kids joke around and they call me Mal. Mal, can we do this? Mal, can we do that? And I say to them, there are only four people in the world that get to call me dad, and you are one of them, so you use it. I'm not going to give this invitation to anyone in the world. I'm not going to ask anyone else to call me dad. But God, out of his great love for us, gives us this invitation to you and to me. If we put our trust in him, you get to call him Father. How wonderful is that? We are considered part of his family, children of God. But more than this, we're being built together into a dwelling place where God is going to live by his spirit. Uh, The foundations of this dwelling place of the Bible, the the words of the prophets, the apostles, uh, but the words of Jesus, the chief cornerstone, is what we build upon. And, And through this, God is building on these foundations a people of God. And we really need to remember this, friends. We live in such an individualistic society. But when it comes to being saved by God, we're not individuals. Sure, individuals put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but once you put your trust in him, then you become a part of this new people. You become part of God's household. And together we become this dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. Now, Paul is talking about the church here. Paul is talking about you and I. The church is not a building, is it? It's God's people who are gathered together. It's as we meet, as we pray together, as we build each other up through God's word, we are becoming a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't this why we come to church, friends? 
to build each other up. Isn't this why we're finding it so hard when we can't come to church? Because we're not being built up. Friends, how are we going at building up our brothers and sisters during this strange time? It is great to come to church, but let's think about those who can't make it to church. Let's think about those who we need to encourage. Who are we calling? Who are we, who are we encouraging? Friends, God is building us to be a new people. And the expression of that here is seen in our church gathering. Well, friends, let me conclude. This passage has so much in it. It really would be good for you to go back and read it for yourself. But we've seen in three clear ways how we've been separate from God. By living life without him, by being excluded through birth, and by being aliens and foreigners. But we've seen three very big buts. But through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been brought near. This is not our work. This is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're called to put our faith in him. To respond to what he's done for us. Not with good work, not, not uh, sorry, to respond to what he's done with us with good works and living our lives for him. It's a trust that is given to us by God so that no one can boast. A trust that we must ask God for, but a trust that he is willing to give to us freely. Friends, are we making the most of the opportunities that we have? Or are we taking being a Christian? For granted. God is building himself a new people here at St. Andrews who have peace with God and peace with one another. A group of people who are being built together to being a dwelling place for God's spirit. Are you still longing for the things of the world around us? Forgetting this privileged position that we have, being members of God's household. Are you still entertaining the thoughts of living uh, the way of the world? Or are you fully giving yourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing him to build his church? Friends, don't go back to living the way that you used to live, but rather live as God's people, live as members of his household, doing the good works that he has prepared for you to do. Be the people that God has created you to be, Let's be of one mind here at St. Andrews, looking to glorify him in all that we do. And in response to this, let's obey his command by looking to make more disciples, to help others come to know him and to grow in their understanding of him. Friends, let's be who God intended us to be, aliens and strangers to the world, members of God's household. Through this together, friends, we can proclaim the great and glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just here in Roseville, but to the very ends of the earth. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us, that you have made us alive, those who were dead, that you have seated us in the heavenly realms, that you have made us members of your household. Help us, Heavenly Father, to not take this for granted. But help us, Heavenly Father, to respond in faith and obedience, looking to proclaim and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mal, I think we have um, time for a couple of questions. It's just a bit I always enjoy, live, um, unadulterated. Um, I had a couple of questions through from, uh, it looks like the same source, if not the same person. The first one is... Um, if we are dead like roadkill in our sin, how can we do anything to help ourselves? How can we even have faith 
or believe Jesus is God incarnate without God giving it to us? The great question and the answer is we can't do anything. But the great God that we have is a God who is willing and wanting and desiring to give us faith. Uh, And so he sends out his word and he sends out his spirit to work in our lives. And so the very first thing we need to do is pray and pray that God will work, do such a work in our heart that we will come to know him and uh, know his word and that his spirit will come and live in us so we can know him better. So I'll move on to, we've got quite a few coming through. How did God prepare in advance good works for us to do? Great question. Uh, he, he has prepared uh, a works for us to do by giving us his spirit in the first place so that we can respond to who he is. Uh, and uh, he, he works through uh, who we are as well. Uh, we all have gifts in ministry and we all have abilities to do things, whether it be the person who comes and cleans church to the person who's preaching at the front. There's no one better than anyone else. In, in one sense, he's given us all those to do. Uh, uh, we just need to try out different areas where we can see whether this is an area that God's given us uh, the gifting to do. So uh, let me encourage you to get involved. Uh, don't sit back and wait, oh, where's that? do I have this gift or don't I have this gift? No, let's get involved and let's uh, sharpen each other on the gifts that we have been given. And one on a related theme, very simple question. Um, how can we best fire up our spiritual life? Uh, uh, I think uh, a couple of ways. We can firstly pray. Uh, the second thing we can do is get stuck into God's word even more. But the third way is giving us each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's fire each other up, albeit with masks on and things like that. Let's really get each other excited uh, by God's word and what he has done for us. Um, uh, we've heard that old saying that if you uh, uh, have a fire with lots of coals in it and you take the coal away from the fire, it, it eventually goes out. We need to be in that, that fire pit. We need to be with each other in church, encouraging each other and strengthening each other and speaking God's word to each other. So, uh, you know, after the service, during the week, um, speak God's word to each other with great priority. And one last one, rather profound theological question. Um, what do you say to someone who believes in God, uh, in the Holy Spirit, but does not believe the need for Jesus as their saviour? Uh, I would say they have not understood the scriptures. And so I would encourage them to come and do Christianity Explored with me uh, so I can help them to uh, uh, know the central role that Jesus plays uh, in our salvation. It's pretty clear from the passage. uh, I think that Jesus plays an absolute central role. So if it's you, yourself, take them to the scriptures. Show them what it says in places like Ephesians, in places like um, Romans, where uh, it is completely down to the work of Jesus um, uh, and what he has done. So I would encourage you to do that. Al, thank you very much for your insight and guidance.